Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am your host today, Paige Niedringhouse, and we are joined by our panelist, TJ Van Tol. Hey, everybody. And our special guest is Jack Sue. Welcome, Jack. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv. And I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there, and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So Jack, tell us a little bit about yourself, why you're famous, and what we're going to start off talking about today. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm famous. I think compared <laughs> to a lot of the other developers on Narwhal, they are a little bit more famous. But uh, yeah, so I, I've been doing web development for a long, long, long time. By a long time, i probably a little bit too embarrassed to talk about when I started. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll just say like sometime in the early 2000s was when I was a little bit more serious. So I, I've used a bunch of different frameworks, even like just plain jQuery, or even before that, it was like DHTML, if anyone recognizes that term. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> when I started React, it was actually when it was first coming out, and people were very excited about it. And this is 2014. And at that point, people were really confused on how to use it. I remember even having a conversation with a coworker of mine about using it with Backbone. We're like, oh, maybe it could replace the view layer and stuff. Now looking back, it was like, that's totally not the way to go, right? Like it was not <laughs> the right setup. But I played around with different technologies surrounding the, the React ecosystem. So obviously React, React DOM, React Native. I went super deep into Redux for a while. Mm-hmm. I even had a blog series talking about like Redux that was mildly popular for a while. Yeah, like MobX, those kind of state management tools. Mm-hmm. Then in 2018, Victor Safkin, who's one of the co-founders, reached out. I previously worked with them in a, another company. So he reached out asking if I want to join Narwhal. And at this point in time, Narwhal was not really known for Annex. I mean, they were, but it wasn't as popular. They were known mostly for Angular consulting. So obviously Jeff Cross, Victor Sapkin, they're from the Google Angular team before they started Narwhal. Um, so they had this tool called NX that was very popular in the Angular community, but no one outside of it knew anything about NX. And when you tell people like, hey, have you heard of NX? They get really confused that they have no idea what it is. <laughs> right? I think some of the other tools are more descriptive in what it does. Uh, mm-hmm. NX is does it really sell itself? And it's actually, we, we struggle a little bit with how to market it because it's obviously some kind of monorepo tool, but it extends beyond that. So we can maybe get into it a little bit later. So when it was brought on, I was like, not really an Angular dev. Like I use Angular for just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to relearn that to uh, 
to really do a lot of the more client consulting work. But I work with Victor on starting the React support for NX. Mm-hmm. And since then, you know, we've grown quite a bit. I forget, like, I, I think we're at 140k downloads for the React plugin. I could nice. be off by like 10k or so. React Native, uh, uh, we also started React Native maybe a year ago, and Emily is actually the one in charge of that. So I work with her on like what to put in and stuff. So we have that plus Detox, which is a E2E suite runner for native apps. Mm-hmm. And recently we began playing around with Remix because, you know, it got like super hot around the Christmas right. time. <laughs> and we have a thing called NAR, uh, NX Labs, which is not a like it's official plugin, but we're not committed to supporting it quite yet. But it's like high quality is from the core team. Um, so there's a remix plug in there as well. And uh, talking about Emily and React Native, she also added a Expo plugin for people who want to use Expo, not like the plain React Native support. So I'll, I'll just start with that. I'll uh, <laughs> set my spiel there. <laughs> That's awesome. So one thing that I would ask is that you tell our listeners a little bit about what NX is about, because like you said, most a lot of our listeners probably are React developers, not Angular. So they, as well as I, would love a better understanding of what we can expect when we use NX or why we would use NX. Right. So like NX basically is a build system. And by that, I mean, it handles everything from like starting your application or your we call it workspace to eventually building and deploying to production and we're talking mostly in context of web applications but you can use it for basically anything in any language actually like i, th- I think i don't know the numbers but i would wager that probably at least 90 percent of people who use nx are using it for typescript probably a mix of like angular and react but you can use it for Java and stuff too, which we actually do internally. Like our some of our web services are in Kotlin, so when they get deployed, is through our like Java support, which uh, it, it's it's not quite as robust as a types of support, but it basically you can use it for that as well. So I, I guess when you start your workspace, you run one command, and out of the box, you should be able to get everything you need to go into production. And we also provide a lot of utilities when you need to wire up your CICD pipelines. So would you say that it's kind of like other build systems like Jenkins or GitHub Actions, or is it different than those? I think it's complementary. Like if if you look at GitHub Actions, we actually have first-class support for for GitHub Actions. So you can actually run everything. You get a nice report. Uh, Whenever you create a PR, uh, NX will have like a little status update. to say like, here are the runs currently going out against this PR, and you can click to go to NX Cloud, which is a separate product from NX, to see a report of what's going on. Because I, I think one thing that we also realize is when, when you hook up your CI, a lot of times the output isn't super ideal. Like when one bill fails, okay. you don't really know <laughs> That's why. That's a very nice way of phrasing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure like someone out there probably wrote something very custom for the company, to report like a nice detail run and whatever, but we feel like that should be something developers deserve out of the box. So if you choose to also use NX Cloud, which is an optional add-on, then you do get all those detail runs. So you can more easily see like what exactly was run, how to fail, get the terminal output if you need to. Yeah. So does that mean that at Narwhal, do you have like backend servers that this is hitting? Or is this just sort of, if you use NX, is it just sort of helping you with 
like say like configs and actions and workflows that are all happening local to the project. Right. So if you use some kind of CI uh, system, so we use Circle CI, but you can also use like Azure, Jenkins, whatever. You can optionally spin up what we call NX agents. So if you can imagine, like you have a large workspace, right? And now I guess now we're getting to some of the monorepo discussion. So you have multiple teams working on the same monorepo. You can imagine there's probably going to be dozens of projects in there. And it's not just apps, right? Because we have apps, we have packages or libraries that those apps depend on. Uh, so every time you push a PR, you're potentially looking at running dozens and dozens of projects at the same time. And for a while, like we were just encouraging people to run them in parallel. So you have one beefy, super beefy machine that can run everything across like 16 cores. But not everyone can afford that. Um, for large enterprise, they don't really care. You know, they just throw money at the problem. <laughs> but what, what we actually want to do is like a- allow people to get good performance out of what they can afford. So when they start these NX agents, so we, we use Circle CI. The agents will start in Circle CI and will talk to NX Cloud remotely. And then NX Cloud is actually going to dictate what to run. Then we use some kind of scheduler to figure out, well, if you run this task, then you need to also run this other task for this other project. And it has like some kind of topological sorting that goes on there. So you're guaranteed like any dependencies are run before. And then we also try to schedule it uh, using some heuristics to, to make sure like, here's what we know from the past runs. Here's what we think is the most optimal scheduling. And then it sends that to the agents. The agents run that in parallel and reports back. And then the cloud service basically gathers all that into a nice human readable report that you can go through. Yeah, very cool. Because those systems can get, I think, very messy at scale, <laughs> at least the ones that I've been involved with. It's it's lots of times just like a house of cards, um, mm-hmm. especially when you start talking multiple projects across multiple teams can get crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's very custom and very fragile <laughs> in <Yes>. my experience. <laughs> and like we, we, we basically offer free for open source projects. Otherwise, you have to pay. And it's not too much. I, I can't remember what we charge for it now because I'm not actually on the cloud team. Mm-hmm. Um, for large enterprises who are kind of, they're required to run stuff on-prem, we also mm-hmm. offer a private cloud option so they can run it themselves and self-hosted. Nice. I kind, of feel, is... I kind of feel like this is a project, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, like I, th- I think a lot of projects could benefit from this sort of approach, but I imagine your your main user base is people in bigger companies building bigger things, because at least the sense I get is that like the bigger your deployments, the bigger your complexity, the more you're going to gain by having a structure or a system like this. Yeah, I think yes and no. We definitely see a lot of benefit towards like large orgs, large teams. But we also have quite a few open source projects that use NX. Uh, so Storybook uses it. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. It's, it's listed on NX.dev, like some of the yep. teams and stuff that are using it. And those open source projects tend not to be that big. Like even if you look at Babel or Jest, their model repo, you look at it, I think they just have like maybe a couple dozen, maybe three dozen uh, projects in it. So Compared to a large enterprise, it's nothing insane. And you could technically run like all the tests, right? And it's not going to take hours. It's going to take mm-hmm. maybe 15, 20 minutes, which is not that bad. But at the same time, why run something that takes 20 minutes when you can run it in five minutes? Right. <laughs> for open source projects also, 
for contributors who are not the core contributors, it's nice for them to see actually what's going on, have things explained to them, and not just have these crazy things that only the core contributors understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've always went, run into that even with GitHub Actions, trying to debug why it doesn't work in GitHub, but it works on my local machine. <laughs> trying to figure that out sometimes is just awful. Yeah, and unfortunately, like there are certain things that we can help with and certain things we can't. So debugging GitHub Actions is always going to be a little bit painful, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's understandable. But I guess one question that I had is, how would you get started with using NX? Let's say you had an existing application, because that's probably the way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of green field or blue sky kind of opportunities. But how would you bring it into a, like a Next.js app or a React app that your team was already working with? Yeah, so for Next.js, we, I think we have a migration guide. There's no automated way to do it. For Create React app, if you do use that, we actually have a CLI tool. You can do like NPX. I think it's called uh, Convert CRA to NX or CRA to NX. It's on the nx.dev site. Uh, So you run that one command, it converts everything to the setup that nx needs, and that's it. For projects that are already in a model repo, then it's actually a lot simpler. So for a while, we've been trimming down like some of the requirements on the configuration that nx needs. Because one of the criticisms, which I think is legit, is like if you have an existing repo to convert to nx, you have to like create this file and create that, and things that are manually done can run into problems, right? Because it's not a fresh repo. So in the last year or two, I want to say, we've been trimming down like a, the amount of configuration, the amount of setup you need. So you could technically have a modern repo, just install like the uh, Narwhal workspace, Narwhal CLI and stuff. And that should just work because we pick up your projects based on um, any existing project, J- uh, sorry, package JSON. So you don't need the big configuration file that we used to require. If you have any package scripts, so in, any anything inside your package JSON scripts, uh, we also allow you to run like, so say you have a build defined there or a test target defined there, you can say like NX test in your project and that will just work. So I kind of want to dive into the mono repo stuff a little bit. Maybe we could just to make sure for for listeners that have not heard of a mono repo before, or haven't used one, could you start mm-hmm. by just defining like at its basic level, what is a monorepo? Uh, why would you use it? What are some of the advantages of that sort of approach? Sure. So I, I think when you talk about monorepo, there's the wider subject of monorepo and some of the theories behind it. Uh, when we talk about monorepos with NX, we kind of constrain certain things or we try to constrain certain things and then users can relax those constraints they want, but we strongly discourage it. So in terms of like monorepo versus polyrepo or multi-repo, I'm not sure what the right term is. I'll just call it polyrepo. <laughs> so imagine you're at a company, right? And you have two teams. So one's a backend team and one is the frontend team. Even if this full stack, you still have two repos. And then you also have a third repo, which is like your components or your, your UI library that your applications consume. When you make a change in any of these ind- uh, independent repos, even though they technically depend on each other, that dependency is not strictly enforced or anything. So if the API team changes something and they uh, update their interface to a point where it breaks the front end, you need to have like very strong process to make sure that doesn't go into production and the website goes down. In the model repo, you can co-locate these two projects, right? So the backend, assuming it's also in TypeScript, 
you can serve up, oh, sorry, you can use the same interfaces as shared models between the front end and back end service. And even if you use something like Golang, uh, you can easily convert types between between the two. There are like tools to do that. So when your back end changes and the interface change in a way that breaks the front end, that should block deployment, right? You, you shouldn't have that going to production. And this depends on a lot of setup, but with NX, like this is easy to achieve to detect those changes and block that deployment if something breaks. In terms of like the UI or component library, it's the same concept. If it changes in a way that breaks one of the applications, you also do not want it to go into production. And in a poly repo setup, you're probably dealing with a lot of versioning with semantic versioning and stuff, which is, I would say like, very ill-defined in most companies because like what does it really mean for application to have a major s- s- version change like it's meaningless it's just someone sitting somewhere being like hmm, i think this should be a major s- s- uh, version change but you can have a patch change and it could break your front end app too like it's really up to the org to enforce these best practices and our philosophy is like if you can automate that it's a lot safer yeah this is really cool and i think like especially when you start to consider like even into the, the React Native cons- context, like the ability to also being able to reuse some of that stuff across like totally different even paradigms. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it'd be really kind of cool and really powerful too. Yeah, I, I think when you have more and more apps that have like shared code that uh, they all depend on, the model repo setup is just a lot more uh, efficient and a lot safer than a poly repo setup. Yeah, and I think- I've, well, I've been in the poly repo setup. We had microservices at my last uh, job and we had, I think, 20 backing microservices for our UI by the time I left. And we have, you know, after hours deployment parties where everybody would get together and their, you know, five or six microservices would go out and then the UI would go out. And if one failed, you know, you'd have to roll back the whole thing. And it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> It was painful and always exciting, I guess, is the best way when it was a deployment day. Well, and I think, too, because like my like my initial where my brain goes for like, OK, what are the downsides of this? And I, I think like, OK, well, that's a lot of source control activity, right? Like your Git is a little more active. But if like but I mean, I do really your front end and your back end would probably be working in separate structures or different file structures. So there really shouldn't be any conflict. And if there was, it's probably something you'd want to know about anyways, because that means there's some sort of, you know, like you said, if you're working on the same models and somebody changes it, well, then you probably want to know that about that in like the front end of your code, because it's going to cause some problems if someone's changing something that they both depend on. Right. And I, I think when it comes to conflict, like you said, uh, between teams, they're probably wouldn't be too much going on. If there is a lot of conflict, you probably did something wrong, like architecturally, I think. Like your your shared model shouldn't be changing so much that the front end team's like, oh, I'm gonna change this and back end team changing that. Like that shouldn't happen. <laughs> we can talk about CI a little bit too. Like I, I think I think one of the downside of model repo is the CI. Because like if you have multiple teams, so, so say you have 10 teams on the same model repo. Yep. If each of those PRs take an hour to run, which I've, we've seen before. Some of our clients had that problem. Uh, yeah. It's just not going to work, right? Like, people are going to get frustrated. Like, oh, I just have the simple change. I can't merge it. I can't deploy, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not it's not a fun environment. Yeah, because they're, like, this gets more into, like, the theory of monorepos, but there are some, like, 
isn't it Google famously like has one repo for like all like everything you do? <laughs> like like some people take the theory to an extreme, right? And it sounds like with NX, you're trying to constrain it a little bit, if I'm understanding you correctly. Like you're not recommending companies use this as like put every last piece of code you own in here, but more just like a logical grouping of maybe apps and services. Uh, It it sounds like it's a little bit open to interpretation based off whatever makes sense for what you're building. Yeah, I think for most companies, first of all, they probably wouldn't have that many projects to go like Google scale, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But if you look at something like, um, like Jest and Babel, like these tools, they at least once upon a time used to come from the same company, which is uh, Facebook slash Meta. <laughs> so they, they could technically put them in the same model repo, but it actually doesn't make sense. Like there's very little overlap, I think, between the two yeah. tools. Their concerns are a little bit different. And for most companies, they don't run to this problem because they have usually one or a couple like really focused products that all do the same thing. Like if you're running a, like an online store, you probably have a bunch of, apps and stuff surrounding that, like maybe a mobile app, web app, maybe like an admin app or something. You wouldn't have like another app for selling or maybe not even selling like like a payment processing thing. Uh, you probably use some third party service. So so I, I think we, we haven't seen that problem too much in practice. And at that point, like the project and CI size may not even be the issue. Like it might even be your file system doesn't support that, right? Like I, I think Microsoft used like get FS for some of their projects because the model repo is just too big that the file system is too slow for it. <laughs> yep. So one question that I had, and this is something that you might encounter pretty regularly, is can you have different projects that are running in NX with different frameworks? Like, you know, my my old team, we converted an AngularJS application into React and we had... Hmm two separate repos, one that was the Angular, one that was the React, as we kind of ported the functionality over. But would it be possible that we could have had a single NX repo that had both of those different frameworks within it? Yeah, definitely. Like, I I think if you start, it depends on your starting point. Like, if your starting point is you have two separate repos, you could combine it. I don't know if that's really worth it because, like, there's probably very little overlap between the Angular app and the React app. Like even the UI components and stuff are going to be completely different. It also depends on like, is the Angular app still actively being developed? Like if it is, and say you do have some shared CSS, it might be worth like converting it or combining it to a single model repo. But if the Angular app is like legacy, people don't really develop against it. There's only like bug fixes. Uh, maybe it's not worth it, right? Because like, then you can say, well, let's start a model repo with only a React app only projects to do with the React app. And then it's like in a clean slate. So when you do spin down the Angular app, um, you just delete repo and pretend it doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Those are good things to think about. Uh, One other question that I had kind of going into like this, well, I'd like you to talk more about the CI part of it because I think that that's continuous integration is something that's pretty standard nowadays, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people, depending on what size of, company or organization they work for might not be as familiar with it. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the CA part, I think I mentioned, it's probably like the worst part about a model repo (laughs) is how slow it is. And it shouldn't be the case, right? Like, I think a lot of criticism of model repo doesn't have to be true. There are obviously downsides, and we can maybe go into that too. 
But to us, I think the pros outweigh the cons when it comes to modern repo, especially if you accept some of the things that Narwhal uh, kind of preach. So one thing with CI that's important is uh, what we call single version policy. So we can imagine in a poly repo, even in some modern repo setup, uh, different packages and different apps can depend on different versions of the packages in the same modern repo. And I've worked at many companies like this, and this is before Narwhal. Like I was in charge of this UI library. It was like insane. I hated my life. It was like, <laughs> I think uh, we had like two or three different apps that depend on the same UI library, and we are maintaining three major versions. And then you're like patch, cherry picking. Oh, shoot, there's a conflict. I can't cherry pick it. <laughs> I have to do it from scratch. Like I have, <laughs> I have worked in a similar situation where you, you, then all of a sudden you find yourself putting version checks in your code because you're like, oh. okay, mm-hmm. well, if I if I get version this of this library, I have to do this, and then like, yeah, you start hating everything at that point. <laughs> yeah, like that was not a fun uh, time <laughs> in my life managing that. And I mean, I had only I have only myself to blame. I was the one that recommended doing this kind of thing. And I since learned my mistake. So <laughs> what we usually recommend people do is single version policy, meaning even though most people think they want to have multiple versions and maintain that, they actually don't. What they want is to have everything point to the trunk or the main branch. And we don't want UI libraries that versioning. It's different if you also publish that to like external consumers, but I think that's a separate discussion. But assuming that everything that consumes that library exists in the monorepo, you always want to keep everything in the same version. Just pretend it's not even possible to use different versions and your life will be much simpler. <laughs> and that, this makes CI a little bit simpler too, right? Because if your one library changes or one of the packages change, and it can tell you like which other packages or which apps are affected, and we we build up this project graph and we know what depends on what through uh, imports. And you can also tell NX explicitly, like this depends on that, even though we didn't detect that dependency. So anyway, so once you modify one of the projects, they'll walk through that graph and see what else is affected and it changes all the way up, right? And then only those things need to be verified again and nothing else. And that saves you a lot of time in CI. And it's also very safe because you are forcing everything that depends on the change files to be retested. So you won't get in a situation where like, well, should I retest everything, which is slow, or should I only retest what's changed? And that actually allows you to uh, retest everything that's affected by the change. So I'm here with JD from Raygun. JD, why did you start Raygun? You know, I, I started Raygun. It was actually our 11th product that we built. So, you know, if you're a fellow software engineer thinking you want to build something and build a business, this was the 11th try, right? And we built it because way back when I was writing more code for customers, I used to instrument my code to send an email to myself when something went wrong. And it would let me kind of get in front of the issue before the customer complained. And so we built a, a whole product called Raygun for crash reporting initially. Uh, it expanded out into other areas, but it was really just building a full solution to what I'd been doing years earlier to try and build better software. I love that. Just scratching your own itch. It makes a ton of sense. And and I do that too with some of the stuff that I'm doing, either with podcasting or programming. Yeah, absolutely. The The most awkward thing was when we actually instrumented some of those prior 11 products. And that's when we realized that about 1% of users will ever actually report an issue. And you go, oh, we might have been a lot more successful earlier if we'd known that. <laughs> so that's kind of the whole value prop of Raygun. Yep, absolutely. 
And it, it makes sense just to put it in there. So folks, if you're looking to try something like this, that'll tell you what your problems are, go check out raygun.com and get a free trial. That's awesome. That sounds amazing because I can definitely think of situations where it's like you're not even sure what should be tested because what whatever code you change just like spirals out into everything else. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think like I, I ran into it too. In fact, I just ran into this the other day where like I made a documentation change and was trying to merge the documentation change, but then like, oh, the C I had to wait for the CI to run. It's like I'm changing a README file. Like, but, <laughs> and, like there, and there's like, you know, there's a flag you can tell GitHub to to like to skip mm-hmm. it and stuff. But like I feel like that's something like a computer should figure out at this point, right? Like somebody some something in my process should know like I made a text change in a doc file. So let's just be intelligent about this. And it's like any little skips you can build into your CI, it's amazing how much that can improve your productivity and I think also your sanity as well because we do run into those situations all the time where like there's like a famous XKCD comic which I can Mm. throw in the show notes too like about waiting for the builds and like even though our builds have gotten faster it's amazing how much just wait like watching a CI spinner can ruin (laughs) ruin your productivity especially if you think like at a team or organization level how much time you can waste with that sort of stuff yeah for sure and i think that brings us to another thing that we can talk about which is uh computation caching because like you're right a a lot of times as a developer you're wasting time waiting for things Mm -hmm. like one feature one bug took you like 10 minutes to fix and now you're waiting an hour for (laughs) ci to complete like it's insane (laughs) and even locally right like if you pull down uh from the main branch and someone changed something. Now, starting the server takes like 10, 15 minutes, uh, which I've definitely seen on some bigger projects. Mm-hmm. And that's time that is just like sitting there doing nothing or maybe you grab a coffee and come back. Right. So with NX, we have this thing called computation caching and actually works nicely with uh, NS Cloud or any kind of remote caching mechanism. But basically, any task or any target that is cacheable, cacheable meaning if nothing changes for that project, then you know the output is deterministic, right? So with unit tests, if you change one of the tests or one of the source files and you run it, and you run it a second time with nothing changed, then it shouldn't run anything, I guess, it should just be cached. So with NX, we actually come uh, with this out of the box. So we do local caching. So you as a developer on your local machine, you run like tests for every project, uh, just in case. Now, if you run a second time, it's all cached, so it'll take like not even a second to run. Uh, if you change one project and you run all the tests again, only that one project needs to be rerun, basically. Mm-hmm. If you combine this with remote caching, you basically benefit from every other developer's machine or even CI. So if CI already ran tests for that particular uh, state of the project, then when you run a test or build, it'll just pull from the remote cache instead of you having to waste computational resource and electricity to uh, to rerun everything. Very cool. So when it comes to the deployment part of the CI scheme too, this is, I'm, I'm don't have a ton of, my CI experience is pretty limited. So this is going to be a pretty basic question, mm-hmm. but I imagine part of the benefit too of the mono repo is comes with the deployment of your services as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine NX or whatever has mechanisms of saying, like if you want to push out a release that you, string it together so you can push out all of your apps or services at one time like 
Mm -hmm. rollback is two i would imagine like if if something goes wrong like pulling if something goes wrong with the third service going out like Mm -hmm. roll back the first two so is that sort of stuff built in or do you like how how does all of that work so unfortunately not the deployment is one thing that we don't really help users with too much it is something we're looking into like we we have thought about having certain platforms like Vercel or netlify having some kind of out of the box support for it Our, our worry is that for a lot of organizations their own requirements are just very very different it's hard for us to yeah, support it because um, i imagine too that you'd have to get pretty specific there right because like what constitutes deployment or a failure <laughs> is going to be dependent on where you're going right like yeah, I, I think for a startup they are more open to having everything automated and i personally would automate everything meaning like if something changes then you retest everything including like end-to-end testing And if everything passes, you should just start deploying everything. And then even after things are deployed, I will still then run against the, the deploy, uh, sorry, the uh, production app to verify yeah. things. That's how I personally would do it. But we see like most companies are either due to um, their processes or like they're just kind of scared. They rather do manual deployments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that gets kind of hairy too, because if you change something that's shared, so you affected everything, then like, how do you handle that? Uh, we see different companies handle that a little bit differently. Is Narwhal or is NX something that you could use if you had a different, if you had multiple versions of an application that you're supporting, like maybe feature toggled different versions or different versions for different clients, things like that? Yeah. So again, out of the box, we don't really recommend any solution for that. We do have a few ways people can do it. So One is like if you have only a handful of things that you support, like we just like create React app, another similar setup, we have like NX underscore like blah, that mm-hmm. environment variable gets compiled in and you can uh, somehow, if you can somehow like build two th- different versions of the app using different var- environment variables, you could do it that way. Um, mm-hmm. We also support uh, file replacement. So this is actually something that came from the Angular world, which I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things we don't want to invoke Angular too many times, or else <laughs> React developers get angry. But uh, they have this thing, this concept called file replacements, which is if you have a file, let's say variables.ts, right? In development, you'll just use that, and then you can have different configurations for the different environments. So if I build against an environment A, environment B, I can say for environment A, replace the variables.ts file with variables underscore a or dash a dot ts and same for b and that's another way you can have the same application but build with two different configurations using file replacements uh, and that's something that, that comes out of the box um, if users want to do it that way we don't have like any particular recommendation for what people want to do but they can figure it out i think yeah cool So what about support? You said that there's support that you're working on for Remix. Is there any hmm. support that you're thinking about for Vue or for Svelte? Yeah, so Svelte, probably not. Vue is something we keep talking about because like a lot of us at Narwhal, we love Vue. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the tooling surrounding it, uh, their UI is like, fantastic. CLI is fantastic too. But we just don't have a lot of resource. And we also don't see a lot of companies needing consulting for a view so like our target is uh, basically based on what we see our users needs are 
Uh, that being said, like I guess it's time to plug the community plugins. <laughs> so the other aspect of NX is we know there are a lot of things that we just can't support as a core team. Uh, so we want to make everything extensible, which I think is the only way for tooling to to thrive. Like if you look at VS Code, if you get plain VS Code, no extensions, it's gonna not be so great. Like without the extensions, I don't know. It's it's not any better than Sublime Text, right? But with all the extensions out there. Now, all of a sudden, you can customize it to what you want, and it works well for you. So for the same reason, we also make NX super extensible. So instead of using one of our core plugins, you can check out one of the community ones. And we have a list of, I guess, our curated list of uh, high-quality plugins. I think we even have one for C-sharp, which is maintained by Gregory, who's a Narwhal dev. And we have, I can't remember some of the other ones. I, I'm drawing blank right now, but we have a few that are uh, kind of popular. And when you choose to like, create an NX workspace, there's actually a less known feature because we haven't really marketed yet. We're still like in the testing phase. Or you can pass in a preset, which points to an NPM package that can be just some community package. And then they'll set up and bootstrap your workspace using that one. And we don't need to maintain that package at all. That could just come from a community. And this is actually the way that the Remix uh, plugin is set up. It's not part of the core plugins, but you can pass like create NX workspace uh, dash dash preset equals uh, the Remix plugin, and then there you go, it's done. Yeah, I think I know. I think this model makes a lot of sense because I've 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 been an I've had different communities I've been involved with have taken a similar approach because there's only so much like there's only so much that a, a team can maintain, right? And you also oh no. <clears throat> which up and coming technologies are going to take off, which ones are going to peter off. So mm-hmm. I like this a lot. I am curious, do you do anything to try to like uh, automated tests on the quality of some of these community plugins or like check in with them? Because it, it's been a problem I've had with like previous setups like this is it, it, it got really tricky to say like, because a lot of times it's just random people and it's awesome that they're doing this, mm-hmm. but like you also don't want to make sure you're, most popular community one just suddenly disappears overnight too. Yeah, so I think we we don't have like a strict process right now. Uh, the community plugins are basically a lot of the very active core, uh, not core, but very active community contributors. Yep. So there's quite a few of them that we already know. We we also chatted with them like through Zoom and stuff. So like we're we're pretty confident that they're gonna maintain a good quality for their plugins, and they also know like the way that. Narwhal thinks about how things should be set up and stuff. Um, but say there is a plugin that's uh, maybe not actively developed anymore, it's listed there. Like people are free to create a PR and remove it. Like all these docs are on the same repo or same mono repo as the uh, NX plugins. So if you go to like GitHub uh, Narwhal slash NX, uh, NX dev, which is a website that lists these plugins, is also there. So you can just create a PR and say, like, hey, you found this inactive. Plug it, maybe let's remove it, and we can we we can accept it or something. I like that the eating your own dog food with the the mono repo for yeah. Okay, so so, yeah. <laughs> so eating your dog food is a, is another interesting thing. For a long time, we talk about NX, how great it is, everyone should use it, but NX itself did not use NX, right? So we had all these shell bash scripts that uh, was kind of like I don't know spaghetti spaghetti code uh, kind of things worked, but if you change something, it may not work anymore. And only like a few people understand the whole system. So 
I can't remember which version it was. I want to say maybe Annex 10 or something or 11. We actually set up the Annex model repo to use Annex itself. So anything that breaks, like we know right away because like we're actually using it. So if it breaks, we know. <laughs> That's good because it seems like a lot of companies nowadays are using their own systems for health monitoring and nobody knows it's broken <laughs> until it's too late. <laughs> yeah, there's a thing like I think for us, a lot of what we preach and we put in is from experience, like either from our own experience or from our community or our uh, the companies we consult with. It's not just like someone sitting in the ivory tower thinking like, hmm, what's some problem that doesn't actually exist in the real world? And how should I solve it, right? Like, we don't do any of that. <laughs> so are there any, like, what what is next for NX? Like, are there any cool, like, features or things that are coming up that you're excited about? Uh, what's on the roadmap? Yeah, in, in terms of plugins, like, Remix is one thing. And we already have, I think, a couple issues on the NX Labs on a repo uh, against it. So uh, that's something people should check out if they want to use Remix with NX. In the React Native side, we actually used to have a community plugin that was kind of used. Uh, we know at least one company that uses it for their production apps. They since uh, didn't have time to maintain it, so we took that as well. That's also in the labs repo. So Emily has been working on that. And the plan is like, it's basically whatever the community plugin was, plus a bunch of other things. Uh, so it's a lot better. And it's going to be more maintained. Uh, in terms of like, Annex features. We recently published a new plugin called the JS plugin. So Narwhal slash JS. And it kind of consolidated a lot of things that used to be spread over different plugins to just one. So anyone who wants to start like a TypeScript model repo, and they may not actually be using React or Express, whatever. Uh, maybe they're writing a CLI tool. They can use that package. And the only thing it does is it takes TypeScript files and it compiles them to like whatever target you want, like uh, ES5 or ES2020, like whatever you choose. Uh, so that's something that we've been working on as well. And it's cloud. I know there's been a lot of cool changes there. I'm not on the team, so I'm not up to date with some of the changes, but they added a bunch of graphs, a bunch of uh, different visualizations. Another tool that I actually haven't mentioned yet is the NS console which is a VS Code extension. So there's been tons of changes there as well. Uh, John is the main developer there. He's been adding a lot of features just to make the DX a lot better. And you can, if you don't like using the terminal, basically, you don't like CLI, install that extension and it's everything's through a nice UI. And I guess yet another feature that we didn't, I didn't mention yet is the uh, dependency graph. So if you run NX step graph, it opens up the browser with a bunch of uh, useful toggles. Um, it shows you the entire project graph. You can drill down. So I think we recently added something called proximity. So you can see like what projects are close to each other and use that to debug certain things that are confusing. There's tons of feature added there as well. So definitely check out the command if you're not familiar with it. And let me just quickly check my notes to see. Oh, I guess one thing that's not really NX specific, uh, Narwhal launched a monorepo.tools website, which has been like kind of making the rounds on Twitter. The, the, the whole point of it is we want to provide, even though it's maintained by us, we want to provide an unbiased comparison of different monorepo tools. Uh, so we have quite a few collaborators on it. Uh, recently, we got um, 
the Gradle, someone from the Gradle team. So if you're a Java mm-hmm. developer, they added their comparison there. We also uh, reached out, or Lee from Vercel reached out to us to talk about mm-hmm. Turbo Repo because we had some entries there and they wanted to change a few things. So we are definitely very collaborative on that. So check it out if you haven't. And I, I think the whole point of that site is, mm, I guess, to send to managers. If you're excited about model repos, but you're like, I don't know what tools to choose. I don't even know how to convince someone to use model repos. You can say like, go to modelrepo.tools and read up on uh, all the marketing stuff that managers care about. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that's a big part of what a lot of teams struggle with. If Even if they've already got an existing app, it's like, what do we go to next? If we're, we know that this one is spinning down for whatever reason. So that's fantastic to have to do that comparison for you. Yeah. And we, we want to be as symbiosed as possible. Like we're obviously, we're like NX is the best, blah, blah, blah. But we want people to <laughs> actually try different things, read up on different things and pick the tool that works best for them. Right. So if that's not an X, we're not going to get angry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, that's so much good information about NX, about mono repos in general. Jack, where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more, or they want to start working with Narwhal or basically just get more into this ecosystem? Yeah, you can always shoot me an email. So Jack at Narwhal, that's N-R-W-L dot I-O. Um, I'm also on Twitter, which I guess I, I can link to you. But my name on there is a little bit weird. It's like Jay Sue, which is not my name. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, people call me Jay because they thought that's my name. <laughs> it's just like my my actual name was taken. So my initial is J-H or Jay Sue, H-S-U. So I thought mm-hmm. maybe I just spell it out. So J-A-Y. Anyway, it's, it's, it's not that clever, really. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on GitHub. Um, I'm not really on LinkedIn, so don't reach out to me there. I am on there, but I don't check it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> cool. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, I think that this is the segment of the show where we will move into picks. So I will start us off. My pick for today is going to be a show that I've been watching recently, and it's on originally on TNT, but I think it's coming to either Amazon or I think it's Amazon, but it's called Snowpiercer. It is. I watch it too. It's based (laughs) on the original movie, which came out five or six years ago. But it's turned it into a series and it's got maybe three seasons at this point. And it's just great. It's it's a post-apocalyptic world where it snows and it's way, way, way below freezing and unfit for human humans to live. But there's this perpetual motion train that's just crisscrossing the world with the last of humanity on it trying to survive. So I won't give 
pretty much anything more than that away. But you can imagine the kind of struggles that 3,000 people on a 1,000 engine or 1,000 <laughs> car train might have living together for years and years with no no end in sight. So that's definitely, I would recommend that highly if you're looking for a new series to watch. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just got too excited. I also watch it. <laughs> so I'm like, I think uh, I'm watching it every week because it comes out like Tuesdays or something. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So second endorsement for that one. TJ, <laughs> do you have something for us? Yeah, I'm going to pick YouTube TV. So I recently ditched Comcast because we finally had uh, fiber come to our area. So I still had a cable television subscription, basically only to watch sports. And that's pretty much the only reason I got YouTube TV is to continue with my sports obsession. And it just works really good. It's basically just like almost like an old school cable box, but just everything is streamed. It works really well. I've got an LG smart TV. So there's just a YouTube TV app that you just open. It's got a built-in DVR, uh, but it's it's just like a TV service that just works and is all done through streaming. So I've just been impressed by how well done it was. So if you are also in Cut the Cord and you need some channel for some reason that you can't stream, it's a good option for that. So it's my pick. Nice. It's always good to cut the cord. Mm. <laughs> all right. Jack, do you have a pick for us? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll go on a different route. I'm gonna go the nerdy route so i'm a IntelliJ user and also a vim user and for a long long time the vim plugin for IntelliJ is like subpar but a new one called like ida or i don't know how you pronounce it idea vim is fantastic and it actually supports a lot of the actual vim plugins um, like if you install a vim plugin uh, a lot of them are compatible so things like nerd tree and other things uh I've been like really enjoying it, setting up like the key bindings and stuff. It's, uh, it's what I enjoy to do. Maybe not for everyone, but if you are a Vim user, check it out again. If you're not, check it out as well, maybe, and maybe you like Vim. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. It's been really fun to hear all about Narwhal and NX and mono repos. I can see myself definitely giving that a, a spin in the future. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on again. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of React Roundup, and we will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.